0: You're listening to the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host today, Dan Viennes. And this is the Rapid Reaction Show. And this is as rapid of a rapid reaction show as I've ever had. I wanted to hit record essentially just as the gun sounded. The Seahawks game, clock goes to zero. Final score today, 23-6. to They beat the New York Jets to knock the Jets out of the playoffs and end their playoff hopes. The Seahawks... Improved to eight and eight now on the season with one to play and they stay alive in the playoff chase and their playoff hopes are now much more streamlined, simple, quantifiable. Beat the Rams next week at home and hope for a Green Bay loss at home to Detroit. That is their path to the playoffs. Green Bay would win in a tiebreaker because they have a better record in the conference. So what do you think? This one, you know, the last six weeks has been a roller coaster, right? And I truly wanted to get my thoughts on this one without preparing any notes. This was one of those kind of games that, you know, it didn't really have the ebbs and flows that we're used to. Certainly when the Seahawks got out to a quick start and got a uh, two score lead early in this one, uh, driving right down, down the field, first time they had the ball, Uh, three-play drive, Ken Walker with an inside run for 60 yards to get started, and then Geno Smith caps it off with a touchdown pass to Colby Parkinson. Um, They never really were in jeopardy. This was a dominating wire-to-wire finish in which the outcome was never really in doubt. One of the most complete games we've seen the Seahawks play all year. There were some moments early in the first half where some of the New York Jets running backs, some of those no-name guys we talked about in the preview show, we're getting loose they had 60 ish yards rushing in the first quarter alone. They've only been averaging 70 per game over the last three, but they really bottled it up after that. And then there was Mike White. Uh, we talked about, I talked about this idea in the preview show that when Mike White came in and played well in place of Zach Wilson five, six weeks ago, so many people, really reputable people, were quick to anoint him as the answer for the New York Jets. That the reports were coming out, the organization was ready to move on from Zach Wilson. Those reports were refuted in the game broadcast today in which the um, Chris Myers and the announcing crew said that uh, Robert Sala said as long as he's involved in the organization, they will not give up on Zach Wilson. But there were actually people that said, That week after White's first appearance, that he was a franchise quarterback. He stunk today. He was terrible. What are the final numbers? Let's go to ESPN. I apologize in advance if this thing auto plays um, an ad. I'll try to keep that off. Mike White today, 23 out of 46, 50% completion rate for 240 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He was sacked four times, Passer rating of 47.4. If he wasn't making a bad decision, he was inaccurate. He threw some balls that had no chance at a completion. In his defense, had some balls dropped, but not accurate. Those two picks, uh, Quandre Diggs with one, Mike Jackson with another one. Thought Mike Jackson played a really good game today. Uh, had a pass breakup in the end zone um, as well. And this just—he just didn't give him a chance. Didn't give him a chance. And when it when it was apparent early on that the Seahawks were going to be able to move the football, um, this one just was never in doubt. Seahawks uh, ran the ball. Effectively today, Kenneth Walker, 23 carries for 133 yards, an average of 5.8. And they pulled him halfway through the fourth quarter when the result of the game was no longer in doubt. DJ Dallas, 43 yards rushing, 198 yards on the ground total for the Seahawks today with that long of 60 for Kenneth Walker. And again, just as they had found something in the second half against Kansas City, they did something we talked about a week ago. Talked about this with Brandon Schultz. How we had seen some things, saw it in the San Francisco game, saw it where they found something in the second, third, and fourth quarters they weren't able to carry that over into the next week. So we talked about that idea. Found something in the second half against Kansas City. Ran the football well between the tackles. Operated from under center a little more often in the running game as well. Could that carry over? And it did. And they did it without Abe Lucas, who sat out today with the knee injury. Still, it doesn't sound like um, sounds like we dodged a bullet on the Abe Lucas injury, that it's not a severe uh, patella, tendon in, patella tendon injury. Stone Forsyth, the second-round draft pick in 2020, uh, second-round, sixth-round draft pick in 2020, um, played in his place. And they ran the football effectively. Geno Smith was efficient, 18 out of 29, 183 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked four times, passer rating of 103.1. Um, but it wasn't just dink and dunk game management stuff. Gino said, not a big game for DK Metcalf. Uh, let's see what the receiving numbers are. Uh, DK only one catch for three yards officially. That's crazy, right? Um, but Gino took some shots to him with Sauce Gardner in coverage and was really close. Had a sideline shot early in the fourth quarter that was absolutely beautifully placed, as good a throw as you could ever hope for. Kind of catch that you'd like to see DK make, and he couldn't come up with it. Tumbling to the ground, couldn't complete the catch. Another ball that he threw into tight coverage in the end zone with Sauce Gardner on him that was so close to being a touchdown. So I like that that Geno wasn't afraid to challenge Sauce Gardner in that situation. But they found ways to be effective, and they used, even with Will Disley outplaced on IR for the year, they used the tight ends. Even though he only had 36 yards receiving, probably Colby Parkinson's best game as a Seahawk. He was a real focal point in the the offense. Led the team with five catches for those 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, got some other guys involved too. Laquan Treadwell, a couple of catches. Cade Johnson was targeted a couple of times. The undrafted free agent from a year ago. Uh, Threw the ball to DJ Dallas three times. Noah Fant had two catches, 40 yards. Tyler Lockett did play in this one, two catches, 15 yards, uh, but left in the second half. Didn't come out at halftime, I don't think. Uh, They called it a leg injury. We'll have to see what that's all about. Um, But we do need to talk about one piece of injury news uh, that's extremely unfortunate. Jordan Brooks, starting middle linebacker in this game, left with a knee injury, was carted off the field, looked to be a severe injury, and we all, of course, go to immediate speculation that it's ACL. Looked like a very significant knee injury. He was in a significant amount of pain. He was very emotional. Um, that is a big loss that I don't want to get too deep into today. We will talk about more and more as we look towards the offseason because now we're talking about January. Recovery time for ACLs is nine, 10 months, sometimes a full year. His 2023 season might be in jeopardy. Uh, At best, I would think maybe a mid-season return, if all goes well, depending on the extent of the injury. If it's more than just the ACL, um, that's a huge loss. Now, there are people out there who have been critical of Brooks' performance this year. Me included, um, although I've qualified it by saying that I'm not sure that we can really judge him because the play of the defensive line has been so poor. They haven't kept guys off of him. Um, But the team played well, defense played well, gave up nothing basically uh, in the running game and really shut down Mike White in the second half after Brooks led the game, left the game, although they were in a lot. It looked to me like they were in a lot of nickel prevent-style defense in the fourth quarter, so didn't really need that extra linebacker. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do next week with a full week to prepare for the Rams. Does Tanner Muse get the start? He came in for Brooks when he got banged up with the neck injury a couple weeks ago, or did they slide Cody Barton over there? Remember when Barton was drafted? one of the selling points was that he could play all three linebacker spots at the time when the Seahawks were playing a four, three he could slide over there and play Mike linebacker or will it be Tanner Muse or will they play uh, more of a a different type of defensive scheme, but it does impact the offseason. Cody Barton's a free agent. Do they now look harder? Does, 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 Inside linebacker become more of a draft priority? Do guys like Noah Sewell, Henry Toto out of Alabama shoot up their draft board or become more of a priority? Guys like Jack Campbell out of Iowa, perhaps? Uh, or do you go after some of those outside linebacker guys, guys like Trenton Simpson and Demarion Overshone and my favorite? Uh, um, Dayan Henley out of Washington State and you and you get a dynamic athlete to play outside backer and you can move, you re-sign Barton perhaps, you can move him inside until Brooks comes back or does Barton want to depart in free agency, look for um, a starting spot somewhere else? It's a concern. It, it becomes a massive priority now in the offseason in addition to the other needs they had on defense. This is one of the worst, regardless of how you feel about Jordan Brooks and his performance this year. This is one of the worst things that could have happened to this defense outside of maybe Tariq Woolen going down with an injury. Um, Let's look at the stats overall here as we look at um, how the defense performed. Uh, The Jets with 21st downs in this game, 279 total yards. Seahawks had 346, Uh, 4.2 yards per play, Um, just 75 yards on the ground and that included a couple of couple of long runs early and then they really really bottled up the Seahawks did the Jets rushing game only 75 yards 204 yards through the air um the Seahawks had those two turnovers they won the time of possession battle 33 38 to 26 22 so really the defense played well maybe one of their most complete games of the year one of their most complete games of the year um, they didn't get the help that they wanted around the league in some ways that might have improved the options that uh, would have helped him get into the playoffs next week. Uh, Green Bay's on a roll now. They win their fourth in a row. <laughs> they destroy the uh, Jekyll and Hyde, shall we say, uh, Minnesota Vikings 41-17. Meanwhile, Detroit rolls Chicago 41 to 10. So Detroit goes into Green Bay next week in a matchup of eight to eight teams, eight and eight teams, uh, and they both come off 41 point performances. Weather should not be as big of a factor as it can be in Lambeau at times in January. The forecast is for sunny skies and a low of 28 and a high of 30. That's about as good as you can expect. At Lambeau. But the Packers have found something on offense and they're rolling. Packers win, the Seahawks are out regardless of what they do against the Rams. Uh, a schedule has yet to be set. And so uh, this will be interesting. Uh, the Rams, by the way, lose to the Chargers 31-10 to 10 today. So after the Rams that looked good on offense for a couple of weeks, really came back down to earth against the Chargers today. Um. So that game's at Lumen Field next week. We don't know. The schedule should be set by tonight. Uh every single start time and day for the schedule right now is TBD. The Seahawks could end up playing Saturday, they could play before the Green Bay game. They could know their fate, beat the Rams, have to sit back and watch that game pulling for the Lions. Or they could already know, you know, Green Bay gets scheduled first. Um you know, they could be eliminated from the playoffs before they ever even kick it off against the Rams. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, Asked for some uh, comments, questions, concerns on Twitter. Let's see what we got. Uh, Are you confident in the Lions enough to say they'll beat Green Bay or will it be a shootout? I am not confident in the Lions at all. They're such a young team, and they they were so bad on defense earlier in the year. Remind you of anybody. Uh, But they've really been coming along, coming together under Dan Campbell. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson uh, has really squarely put himself – in play for defensive rookie of the year, had another interception today, the big defensive end. Um, he has six, seven sacks on the season and three interceptions, which, which is remarkable. Um, So I have no idea. I Look, I'm not a betting man, but I wouldn't put money on it. Green Bay's playing really well. They're rolling. Aaron Rodgers is feeling good. That offense is clicking. They're playing at home. You got to take the Packers in that game. Um, which leads to the question of, you know, where's our draft pick gonna end up. And, uh, we'll take a look at Tankathon here in a second, see what the updated numbers are. And we'll talk about draft picks in just a moment. Uh, speaking of the draft though, uh, Cameron McPherson asks if, if Seattle can't get Jalen Carter, uh, do they try to trade down and add day two picks? Maybe Skronsky at right guard or Schmitz at center? Uh, I would qualify that by if they can't get Carter or Will Anderson. Talked about this today with Michael Thompson, who I had on the show a couple weeks ago when we did our mock draft. Seattle right now, let's go to Tankathon. Seattle right now looks like the third pick is uh, a strong possibility. For them to move up to the number two pick, Chicago would have to win. And in week 18, um, Chicago plays uh, the Vikings at home and it might be over for the Vikings uh, or at least seating. They might um, cause, cause they win the division, but they might have their seating locked up. They might not play some starters, but it's a long shot. Justin Fields just looks broken. He you know ran for a thousand yards, cannot pass the football. They looked um, really bad today. In fact, I tweeted out, are we sure that the bears with the second pick aren't going to take a quarterback? Are they that committed to Justin Fields? I don't see them winning that game. So we're talking about probably the third pick as the most likely. And according to Tankathon, uh, and they update these things live, uh, they've got Seattle in the three-hole right now, which most likely guarantees them a shot at either Carter or Will Anderson, Um, the dynamic edge rusher out of Alabama. Because we all assume that Houston's going to go quarterback at one. Um, And I think Houston has locked up the number one pick at this point. Um, But to answer your question, if, if Seattle drops, if they end up at four or five, because Arizona with four wins, Indianapolis with four wins, Denver gave Kansas city a scare today before the chiefs pulled it out. Um, Denver plays the chargers. In Week 17, I haven't taken a close look at what the Chargers might have on the line as far as seeding goes. Are they going to play all their guys? Um, Denver could win that game. They looked better on offense today than they had in a while. Russell Wilson looked better today. Let's just check uh, what were Russ's numbers today. Uh, He was was pretty effective running the football. Uh, If I can find that. Sorry, I know this is scintillating. Here we go. 24-27, the final score. Russell Wilson, 26 out of 38, 222 yards, to one touchdown, one interception, and then he added another 27 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. If Seattle were to drop to four or five and miss out on Carter and Anderson, to me, the two best defensive players in the draft and two players that address the most glaring needs on that Seahawks defense right now, then absolutely i trade down because at that point now, Let's assume, let's say the Seahawks drop to the fourth pick. Stroud or Young goes one, or Levis. Houston takes a quarterback. Carter and Anderson go two and three. The Seahawks, at that point, hold all the cards for any team wanting to get quarterback two, whether that's Levis, Stroud, or Young. Seattle, remember, you can take those trade charts, right? The Rich Hill chart, the old Jimmy Johnson chart, And you might look at those and think, ah, it doesn't cost a lot for a team to move up from, say, eight or nine, like the Indianapolis Colts, to four. But when you're talking about moving up for a quarterback, you pay a different freight. There's a higher tax on that. If Seattle can move down three or four spots, if they miss out on Carter and Anderson, unless they're thinking quarterback themselves, you drop into a space where there's some really great value At edge, the defensive tackle class drops off significantly after Carter. In fact, there might not be another guy that goes in the first round after that. And you get into the second round with guys like Mazzie Smith and Sia Ika. Uh, Brian Brzee, I guess, technically is a defensive tackle, more of a hybrid guy, though. And he could be a possibility in that range. But you drop down into like seven, eight, nine, might have a shot at Miles Murphy. Tyree Wilson, who I love, who's a bigger defensive end, something that I talked to Michael today that they, they're lacking. You know, you got Puna Four, Al Harris or Shelby Harris playing ends for you in that 3-4. Guy like Tyree Wilson with those long arms, 6'5", 275. Might look a lot better. Miles Murphy, same thing. So absolutely, at that point, I drop back because it might be a slight reach at 4 to take one of those guys. So drop back, add a couple of more picks because now gosh that would give you a little more value to to seek out inside linebacker if jordan brooks is hurt might give you the luxury of 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 hunting a dynamic young wide receiver to add to that mix right so that's what i'm doing if uh if i'm four or below but at 3 man i want to walk away with either anderson or carter and just go from there MF 12, uh, Fidelson Mark, uh, makes a couple of points is, uh, Parkinson in Disley out in 2023. It's a valid question. I think you'd save, I don't know. Will Disley's annual average, uh, salary is about 8 million. So I don't know exactly what the dead money would be, but you can save money by moving on from Will Disley next year. And you have Noah Fant on his fifth-year option. Colby Parkinson looked as good as ever. Um, he's improved as a blocker. He's always had reliable hands. He's a big target. They finally went to him in the red zone today. It's uh, it's it's a it's a weapon that I don't think has been utilized fully. And then Tyler Mabry gets his first NFL catch, and it's a touchdown. Um, Seahawks have always found good tight ends. They just didn't have a quarterback for eleven years that liked throwing to the tight end. So if you want to save some money because you want to go out and first of all, you want to pay Geno Smith under either the tag or a contract extension and you want to add maybe a veteran defensive tackle or linebacker, you want to pay some money maybe on the interior offensive line, go with a veteran center instead of a rookie or somebody at right guard to replace Gabe Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That's something you could consider. I know they love Will Disley. That's why they paid him. And it's not just because of how effective he is in the passing game, but also in the running game as a blocker. But it's a possibility. Um, makes the point that Rodgers made some disrespectful comments towards the Lions earlier this year. And that'll hurt him next week. We'll see. Rodgers gets off on playing with a chip on his shoulder. And then he asks, how does... Uh, the defense, the Seahawks defense approach the Rams this time around uh with Baker Mayfield. I think the same as always. I think they're familiar with Baker and and uh and how that offense operates. Shane Waldron knows it as well as anyone and Baker seems to be a fit there, but he's not more talented than Matthew Stafford, so I really don't think it 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 impacts their approach. I think what the Rams are doing well now is they're running the football better. Cam Akers had 100 yards again today. And uh, the Seahawks need to show the same improvement. Uh, you know, they need to play the run as well as they did today against the Jets in the second half against the chiefs last week to have a chance to beat the Rams next week. Uh comment from Justin Buckner at j Buckner 64 on Twitter, based on Barton's turbulent season. I'd like to see middle linebacker become a priority this offseason. get a good one and move Brooks back to weak side linebacker. Interesting. So you could, you could acquire a mic. I, I, would assume he'd like to stay, maybe sign Cody Barton again or draft a guy and then move Brooks back to outside linebacker, play him on the weak side where he'd be in coverage more often. Interesting. Most of the criticism this year about Brooks' play has been centered on shedding blocks and taking on uh, the running game. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the Seahawks' second pick took a hit today. Their native pick dropped from 12 to 19. We talked in the last show about how many teams are bunched up with seven and eight wins. What does that number look like now? One, two, three, four, five, six teams with seven wins, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 teams still with seven or eight wins. And so, and then uh, three other teams with six wins. So the Seahawks tumble down to the 19th pick now. And listen, here's the thing. I'm not mad about that. Can you get a better player at 12 to 19? Of course you can. Does it give you an opportunity to take a guy who falls, maybe even a quarterback? Of course you can. But in this particular draft, from everything I've looked at, and it's typical of most drafts, from the middle of the first round on, you start to get into players who don't have first-round grades. Very, very rarely, if ever, are there 30 players, or even 25, that most teams legitimately have first-round grades on. And the way that that part of the first round tends to look, that's where there's going to be a run on some other positions that maybe aren't a huge priority for a quarter or for the Seahawks. I mentioned the word luxury earlier. There's going to be some cornerbacks there. There's going to be some receivers there. Um, some of those edges might fall that you like if you if you do get Jalen Carter early. You want to supplement that with an edge. You can go there at that point. If you get Will Anderson early, you're not looking for a defensive tackle at 19 because there's no value there unless Brazee falls. And if Brazee falls to 19, it's probably concerns about his medicals or something else. And so maybe you stay away from him there anyway, and you look for value in the second or third round at defensive tackle. So at 19, the way this draft looks right now to me, that's a pick that maybe you look to trade down from there again add a third or you do something cool. You address, you just take best player available in a position that isn't a massive need. I, I can hear you all. I can hear you through my headphones. You're out there screaming interior offensive line. That's not where you do that. That's way too high. I know uh, Cyrus O from Florida is sometimes mocked at the end of the first round. I don't like him. I think he's heavy footed. Not athletic enough for this scheme. Uh, I want a power guy, but he just seems like a plotter to me. There's a lot of guards and centers I really like in the second, third, and even fourth round later on. I'm not going to reach for a guy there. A lot of you guys are going to read about John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. He's the best center in the draft. He is, but you're not taking him at 19. No way. If you wait till the second round you lose out on Schmitz, okay, there's four or five other guys. I'll gladly take at the end of the second round or even in the third. So 19 could be that pick that's fun. You could get a wide receiver. You could take a Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Get that guy who's just a dynamic route runner and maybe the best yards after catch guy in the draft, something the Seahawks lack right now. You could add strength to strength. You could go corner there and pair a guy like Joey Porter, Christian Gonzalez, Kaylee Ringo, if he slips that far, with Tariq Woolen. Now you have two young lockdown corners kind of like you have two young defensive or offensive tackle bookends for years to come. Uh, there might be some edges that are interesting there too. But again, that's if you get Carter. If you take Will Anderson at three, you're not going to double down and take Isaiah Foskey or Jared Verse at 19. You're just not. So that second pick takes a hit. And obviously the second their native pick in the second round is, is lower. So much value in that range in the second round. Don't worry about it they're going to get great players. This draft is all about pick number 3 and then value and best player available and addressing some needs. Letting the draft come to them. Uh by the way, Tankathon has a little mock draft up here that's ridiculous. I guess Bryce Young going first to Houston, Chicago going Will Anderson Edge. I tend to think Chicago would go Carter. Um and then Carter going four to Arizona because the Seahawks take C.J. Stroud at three. But listen, what I'm going to do as soon as this show's over is I've got the two semifinal college football playoff games from yesterday. I haven't read any details about them other than the final score. They both look like they turned they they turned out to be amazing games. And I get to do a little bit of a deep dive in those games on, on a lot of pro prospects, guys that might be, well, certainly numerous guys from those two games are going to turn out to be Seahawks. And maybe you do that. You heard my thoughts on that earlier. Not going to go into it here now. Maybe they do. If a guy like CJ Stroud sitting at three and you think he's a franchise quarterback, maybe that's right. You go. Uh, Interesting. So what else? Uh, A couple other standouts today. Oh, There it is. That's what I warned you about. Okay. Sorry about that. A couple other standouts today. Um, Daryl Taylor has really turned his season around in the last few weeks. He was kind of everywhere today. Uh, Only three tackles, but two of them solo, one for loss, two and a half sacks. He is now up to um, seven and a half sacks on the season. Hold on here. Uh, Why is ESPN's stat? Page, not just show his total sacks for the year. I think he's up to seven and a half. And he's really found something. Maybe the the way the Seahawks are using him, kind of taking some pressure off him, having to defend the run um, uh, on one of his sacks. He just flat out beat George Fant, our old friend at right tackle. It kind of, he got, his get off was so quick that it looked like maybe he was across the line early, but in slow motion replay, it wasn't. Just beat him off the edge with that bend that we like. Um, I think we've seen enough from Daryl Taylor this year to know that, He's not an every down, full-time, big-time edge that we thought he was going to be. But as a rotational player, um, I think the fact that he struggled earlier this season, was called out, lost snaps to Boye Mafe, and has responded the way that he has, bodes really well for him and the Seahawks. That position could be just a really great rotational pass rusher. Um. I mentioned Mike Jackson. I thought it looked great today. Tariq Woolen did too. He had some pass breakups. Almost had a phenomenal acrobatic interception on the last desperate drive for the Jets. Kind of jumping over and in front of Garrett Williams. Um, almost came up with his eighth interception of the year. I saw some things that I liked out of Jonathan Abram today. And this is interesting. Five tackles, three solo, one pass defense that... Should have been a pick. It was right in his chest, kind of a Jamal Adams look to it. Jonathan Abram is a former first-round pick who got a lot of play and hard knocks his rookie year, was known as a hard hitter, but who ironically kind of struggled in run defense and where the pass defense wasn't his forte. But he started today, and it looked like, I haven't seen the snap counts, but it looked like he played just about every snap. He was around the football. He was making plays. And he looked pretty comfortable in that defense. If Jonathan Abram can be a serviceable, solid player, and the Seahawks got him off the scrap heap for nothing, at, at his age, young age, was he, 25 years old still? Um, 26. Um, What a huge bonus that would be moving ahead into next year, especially when you start talking about cap hits and cap management. Seahawks have a decision to make. Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. Are you going to pay both of them? That's a huge amount of your cap percentage going to two safeties, one of which is coming off his second serious injury in two years, Jamal Adams. And Quandre Diggs coming off a a down season. Had the pick today, had the two interception game against the Raiders, but has been really poor in run defense, bad tackling. Michael Thompson said it's a $14 million cap savings if you move on from him. After, as a post-June 1st cut, what if Jonathan Abram can be a starting caliber quality safety? Um, You could really save some cap space by you know, moving on from one or both of those guys. Ryan Neal's a free agent as well, has played well, was out injured today. That's why Abram had the opportunity. Um, but I thought he stood out. And then Parkinson with the great game. And just another really, you know, you can't go any Seattle game without talking about Geno Smith against a good Jets defense with an elite young corner and a guy like Quinn and Williams up front. And and they did put some pressure on him and Stone Forsyth whiffed a couple of times and Smith was smart, took care of the football, had a really cool play at one point where he had to step up in the pocket against pressure and kind of flipped it underhand to DJ Dallas for a long game. Geno Smith just continues to prove week in and week out that while he may not have had he, he may not have had the sexy performance that we saw from him so often in the first half of the season over the last five or six weeks. But he's been steady. He's been good. He's made plays when they had to. And he didn't have to do any more than he did today. Um really thought it was a nice performance from Geno Smith. Looking at his uh, overall season numbers uh, now for the season, 70.7% completions, number one in the NFL. He's up to 3,886 yards now, 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a 102.9 passer rating. He's just been really consistent, really consistent. All right, so that's going to do it. The Seahawks are eight and eight. They're still alive in the playoff hunt. We need a Seahawks win at home against the Rams next week. And a loss by the packers at home against the lions and the seahawks will be a nfc wild card team. Um what do you think of that? Do you want that to happen? Does the fact that their native draft pick has already dropped to 19 maybe lessen your desire for not making the playoffs because you really want that draft pick? Um they're down in that range now we're making the playoffs and and losing in the first round isn't going to affect their draft standing all that much. Um We'll talk about that as we get into the week and as we preview the Rams game um, coming up a little bit later this week. I am Dan Vianne. You can follow me as always on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Please subscribe to the podcast then you get notifications anytime there is a new episode and if you like what we do here leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. Uh, It really helps helps out the the podcast gives us a little better standing and search engines and things like that and always share it on social media um, and interact send in your questions your comments i'll address them on the next show Um, you can always reach out to me through twitter dms if we follow each other as well if you don't want to you know publicly tag me in something Um, doing the show this season has been a lot of fun and it's it's been a great way to follow what has been one of the most interesting and fascinating Seahawks seasons in a long time. And I appreciate the opportunity from Field Goals to do it. Always check out the website, fieldgoals.com. Read all their fantastic content over there as well. And happy stinking new year, you guys. It's 2023. Let's have a great year. Go Seahawks. I'm Dan Vienz. This is the Field Goals Podcast. We'll talk to you in a few days. Thanks.